Hey, everybody, and welcome to You Were Born For This podcast. I'm Father John Ricardo. I'm your host. I'm the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming parishes. I'm here, as always, with uh, my co-hosts, Mary and Nick. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Father. It's good to be with you. We got a loaded topic today, right? We're going to dive right into the meat of a lot of what we do when we start going to dioceses or to parishes, right? We've been talking about this um, for the last few podcasts, and today we finally get to open it up. So today's topic is called Created, Your Image of God is Too Small. Oh, I like that. We could even say, like, your image of God is wrong. That's how I would provocatively say it. Your and so is mine, a, for whatever it's worth. Your God is a puny God. Yeah, that's right, puny God. <laughs> the king of the universe <laughs> is, recalibrate. is huge. All right, so Padre, will you open us in prayer to get started? Yeah, let's dive in ask the Holy Spirit just to be with us. So, Father, we thank you for uh, the beauty and the wonder and the magnificence of uh, the handiwork of creation. All that we see, the heavens which tell of your glory. Uh, the multitude of creatures on this earth which all show forth uh, your creativity and your joy in so many countless ways. Lord, we just ask that your spirit would be upon the ears of all who are listening to us right now and uh, that he would put the words that you wish us to speak into our mouths so that we would grow in wonder and in trust. We ask all these things in Jesus' all-powerful name. Amen. 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 So, Father John, if you could quickly set the stage so we can really unpack created. Yeah, so last time we were together, right, we were trying to make the argument that we would encourage every priest at least once a year to make time, like four or five weeks perhaps, to just preach the gospel. And what we mean by that is the kerygma, right? So maybe you do it in September, maybe you do it in Advent, maybe you do it in Lent. And the reason for that is, what's John Paul's great quote, Mary? Our Holy Father says it's the initial ardent proclamation by which a person is overwhelmed and makes a decision to surrender themselves to Jesus in faith. And our, our argument last time when we were talking is tragically, right? And this, is, this isn't to blame anybody, but tragically, we just don't think that most Catholics, if you were to ask them, typical Sunday Mass, hey, show of hands, how many people here have been overwhelmed by the message of the gospel? Okay, like five, six, nine, ten, great. It's just not happening. It's not happening. And, and as a result, people haven't surrendered themselves to Jesus in faith. And so to make time in the liturgy you know, don't go rogue, don't, don't not read the lectionary, by all means proclaim the lectionary, but make a series to do what we're going to start to talk about today. Yeah, a few weeks preaching the big picture so everybody can step back exactly. and, and realize, oh, I'm, I'm part of his story, I'm part of history. Right, because again, we used this line last time from Fleming Rutledge, right? So in, in, in the final analysis, theological speculation can only take us so far. We need to know the story, is what she said, and I don't think most people know the story. And without knowing the story, nothing else makes sense, right? So, the gospel, the kerygma, right? Those words are interchangeable. The f there's four different parts. Yep. And the first part's created. Yeah, the first part's created. So technically, the first part of the kerygma is the goodness of creation, right? Which we said, well, that doesn't really sound very overwhelming. Um, but we would initially say, okay, so let's take that and then let's pose a question. And the question that would go along with this would be, well, why is there something rather than nothing? That's more helpful. Yeah, no, that's a massive question philosophically, right? Why does anything exist at all? Science can tell us how things have evolved, changed, whatever. It can't tell us why anything is. And we Revelation that. does. God's word does. He makes known to us why is there something rather than nothing. Do you remember when we were in Des Moines and you were breaking open the kerygma for, for the students at Dowling High School? 
and a young man came up to you and he said, I can't get past that question. Why is there something rather than nothing? So for him, he heard created, captured, rescued response, right? Those four words that we, how we would describe the kerygma. That question was so compelling Right. For this young man, he goes, I couldn't get past that. Right. That that young man was overwhelmed by that first part of the curriculum. I just thought that was so incredible. And his intellect was engaged, right? right. So, so here's again, we want to see in, in the midst of all that we're doing, huh, that faith and reason are both trying to seek truth, right? And I think the, the power of what we're going to break open, um, at least uh, in, in small part here in this podcast, is it engages your mind in a really remarkable way, right? Absolutely. Tell people how to get the longer version of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, you can go on to our Facebook page, although that you know gets dated quickly, right? So you could go onto our website, and you'll find there several different conferences we've done, and you can see uh, the audio and video versions of this talk being done. Uh, at conferences. And so, they're really helpful to watch yeah. because when we do these, we do everything using PowerPoint presentations, right? So th this isn't never a talking head. It's always huge images. images. And in fact, what's the site, Mary, that you were going to suggest people look at? Yeah, so um, hubblesite.org. If you want to be overwhelmed by beauty and the magnificence of creation, log on to that. So H-U-B-B-L-E. So H-U-B-B-L-E-S-I-T-E dot so that's the Hubble Space Telescope. Right, if right. you're driving right now, please don't do that. But if you're not driving, <laughs> please log on and, and look at these. Go to the images section as we start to talk a little bit about this. And just look at this as you're hearing us as well so that all your senses can get engaged. Because the grace we want to ask God for when we're doing this, and we always want to ask God for a grace. So this isn't supposed to be a class or something like that. This is supposed to begin to overwhelm us. And the grace we want right now is wonder and trust, right? We want to have a sense of wonder at what God's made. Mm -hmm. And then as we see how big God is, right. we want to ask him to help us to grow in trust. And as we've talked about repeatedly, right, there's such a crisis of hope right now. And there's so much discouragement right now. So just step back. Let's just look at what God has made and relax, okay? It might be getting bad. It might get worse. I don't know. But God is not nervous. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Absolutely. So let's do that. So to be crystal clear, we're going to break open the four parts of the gospel over a series of podcasts. Today is created part one, right? Yep. We're asking for awe and trust. So Father John. Wonder. Well, I'm right. sorry. Wonder yeah, wonder. Trust, oh, trust wonder, all those things. They're interchangeable. They're all good. Absolutely. <laughs> so there's two things that we try to zero in on here uh, when we try to look at this one word uh, created. So the first is to get clear that there's there are two stories of creation in Genesis. Oh, and by the way, they're different. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> yeah, significantly. Yeah. Do you think the writers knew that? <laughs> it's like so. This is massively important, actually. Like, how does a Catholic read Scripture? Because you don't read it literally all the time. To be sure, many things you read literally, but Scripture is a library. Right? It's a collection of different genres of literature. Mm -hmm. So you've got history, you've got uh, narrative, you've got prophecy, you've got poetry, you've mm -hmm. got apocalyptic, mm -hmm. right. you've got gospels, which are sort of like ancient biographies, but not quite. Um, and then you have these chapters here, these first 11 chapters of Genesis, 
which uh, Father Francis Martin always used to say, these are like inspired poetry. Mm. At which point, like, if you're an engineer, your head just exploded. Like, <laughs> inspired poetry. I don't know what to do with that, right? Like, so what does that mean? It means they speak truth. They communicate truth. God's revealing truth to us. But he's doing it in poetic ways, which means it's not literally true. And the mere fact that there's two stories of creation that they're Could different is supposed clear. to be a clue, right. right? Right. It's almost like the Lord saying, hey, dum-dum. <laughs> you know, like, try to discern what it is I'm revealing here. Mm. And one of the ways that you want to do that, or that we can do that, is to uh, compare Genesis 1 and 2 with the other stories of creation, which were in the contemporaries of Israel. And they're radically different. Mm. I mean, there's nothing like Genesis in the ancient Near Eastern Yeah, say more myths. about that. Yeah, so I remember I had a class. I went to the University of Michigan and... I'm not exactly a bastion of Catholic orthodoxy. And uh, I remember there was a woman she taught a mythology class that I had. And at one point she said something to the effect of, you know, every, every ancient culture had its, its myths, which doesn't mean not truth. That's how we've come to understand myth. Myth means more like the stories, the stories have to be so big mm -hmm. to try to make sense of the big questions that we've put them together in this kind of a format, okay? Mm -hmm. So her argument was, uh, so everybody has creation myths, and they're all the same. Well, that's just rubbish. I mean, they're, Completely. There's nothing like Genesis in the ancient Near Eastern myths. So in the ancient Near, Near, Near Eastern myths, the, the stories go usually something like this. And there's some, there's some variation here, but it's generally that, that there are many gods. Um, they're not really any good. They're actually just like us, right? So they're, they're lustful, they're warring, they're capricious. They're envious. Um, they're not even in charge. <laughs> they're actually subject, many times anyway, to this, this other level of entities known as the fates, at least in some of the stories. At a certain point, these gods, to make their lives easier, made man. And man was made to be their slave so that they could have a life of leisure. So man has no dignity. Woman has no value in these myths, right? She has one primary purpose, which is either children or pleasure. Um, and so in a culture like that, um, you have no ultimate worth. Um, you're not going anywhere grand. Yeah, no you, just, you just happen to be here, right? And you're the plaything of the gods. So like, what do you live for? It's a completely depressing reality that you would, that you would be living in. Yeah, if, if, that were, is that, if that was my worldview, I'd be hopeless. Yeah, and so, right? so and, and what I would do is I would try to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. I would go for all I could, make as much money as I can. I don't care how I get it. Um, and I would try to just indulge every appetite. What else would you live for? Right. Well, I mean, and we can see that at play. You know, we've right. talked about this before, but we can see that at play right now in our own culture. Like, a lot of that leaks in and creeps in. Right. That's why this is so important for people, because there's a uniqueness to what is revealed in Genesis. Right. Like, so can, can you, do you want to walk us through? Yeah. Like, so in, like distill that for us? I will. But in the same way that God's revelation came to Israel and helped them understand, no, there are not many gods. And man is not a plaything. And life has value. So we desperately need right now in our culture, which is so much like that ancient culture, to hear revelation again and anew. And it's overwhelming when it happens for somebody. So in the Genesis stories of one and two, what, what does God reveal? Well, he reveals uh, that he's one and that he's really good. 
and then he made everything that is. And he, everything that he made, he made effortlessly. There was no like struggle. Um, he just speaks and things come into being. And the highlight of everything that he makes is us, mm. the human person. Extraordinary. Who scripture says is made in his image and his likeness. And, and only as male and female, together do we image God, which is a huge point. We can't get into that right now, but it's a huge point, which we're still trying to understand, right, in our culture. So man and woman are not made to be God's slave. Man and women are made out of love for love. For love with each other and love of God. Communion. Exactly. So the human person, this... Like, you, you want to know how to be happy? Genesis is telling you how to be happy. Here's how you find happiness. You're loved and you love. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Those are three massive questions. In a certain sense, you could say that the answer to all three of those is the same word. Love. love. Why am I here? Because God, who is love, out of love, willed me into existence. That's identity and our destiny. That's right. So anybody listening right now, who you're, you're wondering, I don't know that God loves me. I can tell you that he loves you. How? You're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're alive. You might be in a hospital bed. You might be in a nursing home. You might be anxious about a child. If you're alive, you're alive because God loves you. When we get to rescued, we're going to see this in spades. Mm -hmm. So hang on. Okay. Where am I going? I'm going to love. Meaning what? Well, the end for every human person is to be, to be divinized, right? Second Peter 1, 4. We were made to partake of the divine nature. What does that mean? I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we understand this? Like, I think Augustine says something like, you know, we're made for abundant happiness. What's abundant life? I don't know, but it's not this, right? It's more than this. It's not just this that keeps going, right? Abundant life, Benedict said one time, is like swimming in an ocean of endless love. We were out in California recently and we're looking at the ocean. It's like, that's abundant life. You're just drowning in God's love, but in a really powerful way. How do I get there? I get there by loving God, by loving my neighbor, and most importantly, by God loving me in the person of his son, Jesus. Wow, so this, this is, Genesis 1 and 2 is drastically different than any other account of creation, right? I mean, it's just like, this, this, is, this is the truth, and this is what's deeply in our hearts, and we're, we're all yearning for it, whether we even know it or not, right? So this, this, to step back into creation, into Genesis 1 and 2, and realize I'm here for love, I'm here from love, um, that, really, that really sets the stage. But Father John, you love to highlight one particular verse in Genesis. And um, it makes me laugh, but also it puts me in awe very quickly. Yeah, so if, if, if you're home right now, open up your Bible or get onto your phone and like, uh, hit Genesis 1.16. So Genesis 1.16, which, oh, by the way, is another way to understand that these are probably not to meant, that these stories are probably meant not to be read literally, says, God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that would be the, guys? The sun. That would be the <laughs> sun, yes. <laughs> and the lesser light to rule the night. day, that would be the, or the night. Moon. Right, and by the way, this is another way that you know that these texts aren't supposed to be read literally, because this is the, remember what day it is? Yeah, the fourth day. Fourth day. So uh, just ask yourself real quick, how do you get a day without a sun? You don't. Yeah, you don't, It just right? doesn't and happen. That's how we measure it. So, like, again, don't get stuck in reading it literally. Try to discern the truths that God's revealing. Ah, but my favorite part of this passage is the next part of this verse. It says, he made the stars 
also. Like so, it was a throwaway line. Yeah, I mean, like, I picture whoever's writing this, you know, he's got whatever he's writing with in his hand. I don't know what they were writing with. And he's, he's trying to think like, oh, yeah, okay, so he made the sun, he made the moon. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, he made the stars, too. I mean, it's five words something? that references a, a dramatic reality. <laughs> and, and he also na he named them. Yeah, he named, so scripture tells us he names. So them. just ponder that for a second. Wait a minute. Don't don't let this line just fly in and out of your mind. He made the stars, too. Do you have any idea how many stars there are? I mean, I've got a picture up on our screen right now. If you get the Hubble site, you can go to this. It's a it's a picture of what looks like, I don't know, maybe a thousand stars. Right. But they're not, not stars. No, they're not. What are they, Mary? They're galaxies. Yeah, each one of these is a galaxy. So there are hundreds of billions of galaxies, each of which has hundreds of billions of stars in them. And oh yeah, I forgot to mention, he made the these two. Right. Yeah, without any effort. He just spoke and they came into being. This is God, right? So how do you, how do you try to grasp the size of the universe? The universe is roughly 46 billion light years across. That's 46 billion times 5.88 trillion miles across. And God just brought it into being, right? So we're talking about numbers. I mentioned I went to Michigan. I'm an English major. I don't get numbers like this. I can get to like nine. <laughs> so how do you grasp the size of the universe? Yeah, these, so numbers, these numbers talking. go numb, right? I mean, you're, you, if you're hearing this, you just, those numbers just feel like you're numb to them because Mind I don't wrong. even know what 46 billion is. Yeah, I mean, you, you try to write it out. You see all the commas. Right. I, I don't I don't fathom that. So I, I was at a men's conference one time out in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, and there was a guy talking who was a high-energy particle astrophysicist. I think I got that right. Wow. I we know a lot of those, don't yeah. we? <laughs> I don't even know what it means. But this guy was trying to talk about the size of the universe, and he gave an image, which I'll never forget. It was so helpful. He says, so how big is the universe? I mean, what, what do these numbers translate to image-like? And he says, so let me give you an image to help you. He says, imagine building a sandcastle of the universe where every single grain of sand is a star. How big would the sandcastle be? I, I don't know. It's got to be It's got to be big. It's big. How big is it? It'd be five miles high. Five it's miles It's almost high. as tall as the highest mountain on the earth. Five miles wide and five miles long. So I went out and drove that one day alone you, you did. with my head out the car, out the window. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> Gotta do something. I must have looked like Gotta a moron. Like, man, what's up with that guy with his head out the window? <laughs> so I literally drove five by five by five. And, and the whole time I'm trying to look up and try to picture the size of something that's five miles high, right? Like 28,000 mm. feet or whatever it is. Mm. This is massive, right? He made these without any effort. But there's, there's another uh, a way to understand this for me that's helpful. And again, if, if you've got access to a, to a computer right now, or maybe when you get home, please just get to the Hubble site and just start looking at the magnificence. These things look like they're science fiction drawings, but they're not. Yeah, they're they, the universe that God has made. It looks like some graphic designer was doing God, some cool stuff God, on the computer unreal. is what it looks like. God breathed them. Right. right. But if you're driving and you can't start. look at them, right. why don't you go ahead and roll the window down, put your head out, and drive five miles by five <laughs> miles, and you just keep looking up at the sky. That's right. Yeah. And then you some, look at the Hubble telescope when you get home. My sister sent me something. Uh, she's heard me talk about this. So I think there was something in the UK, uh, the Daily Telegraph back in 03, which just described that there are, just in our own galaxy, 
there are 10 times more stars in our galaxy than there are grains of sand on the Earth. Incomprehensible. I mean, go walk the beach. <laughs> I mean, hear that again, hear that again, right? There are 10 times more stars in our galaxy, just ours, than there are grains of sand on the Earth. That is mind-blowing. So again, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, you go outside, you look at the universe, I mean, like, <laughs> twinkle, the twinkle. universe is huge, right? And God brought it all into being. And those aren't little stars. Those Doesn't it make stars. you want to like go out and buy a telescope? Oh yeah. And have it in your home because with our naked eye, we only see a small part of what God's created, right? That's right. And and He sees it all, so I can't I can't help but think He delights in His own creation because only He can see all of this. That's right. Right. So it's just just overwhelming. It also makes me think like. You know, so sometimes we get impressed by man's creation, right? Oh, look at this year's tower, or look yeah. at this big city, or, or oh, hey, you know what? Look at that pond you dug in your backyard. Yeah. Oh, hey, by the way, go look at the ocean. Right. That's what God creates. Right. Oh, by the way, look at the stars, the sun, the size of the earth, a mountain. Look at a sunset, on. and then ask yourself, I don't think I have those palettes in my brush. Right. Mm. You right. know, like that, I can't do that. God's creation's just unreal. Let me give you another image that's helpful for me. So our sun, yeah, it's actually a rather small star, or so I've been told. <laughs> it seems pretty past, big, Father John. Astronomical knowledge. <laughs> so you can fit something like 960, 980,000 Earths into our star, into our sun. So wow. until about two years ago, the largest star that mm -hmm. we had found, not that I found, but that we had found, um, that's the royal <laughs> we there, I guess, um, was known as the big dog, all right? So you know how many Earths you can fit inside the big dog? How oh, many? Tell us. Seven quadrillion. That's helpful, seven isn't it? Seven quadrillion. I don't even know what that number is. Right. So, so wait, 960,000 Earths in our sun, seven quadrillion in big dog. In big right. Dog. So what, what, what kind of number is that, right? So here's a little <laughs> exercise. So Mary, I'm going to ask you to count from one to a million. And you're going to see me in about 11, 11 and a half, and days. half days. Yeah, right. That's how long it's going to take you to count to a million. Nick, you, you can count to a billion. One, two. He's going to get done counting <laughs> when he's 62 years old. Which means <gasps> he's I'm 31 count right now. 31 years. Yeah. Count for a billion? <laughs> he's going to be 31 years. It's going to take him that long. Mm. I'm going to count to a trillion, and uh, you know I'm not going to get there, right? So a trillion seconds is 31,000 years. That's how long it would take you to count to a trillion. You want to count to a quadrillion? It's going to take you 31 million years. You can fit seven quadrillion Earths inside that one star. Big, big dog. Yeah, and God brought that into being without any effort whatsoever. Breathed. He's the star breather. Yeah, he's the star breather, right? So <laughs> what, what, the reason why this is so important right now, you know, so again, go back to John Paul's quote, right? So the initial ardent proclamation of the gospel is supposed to overwhelm a person to the place where they make a decision to surrender themselves to Jesus by faith or in faith. As you just ponder the grandeur of the universe, you know, maybe it's nighttime when you're listening to this. Go outside and look at the stars. I go go, yeah. go! put on a mask and dive under the ocean and see the beauty of God's creation. And as you do this, realize somebody brought all of this into being. But here's the key. 
this God who is so massive, he has one favorite creature in the universe, and it's us. Wow. It's us. Wow. How do we know that? Because God became a man, and he didn't become an angel to save angels. He became a man to save men and women. And so we're looking at this magnificent creation. We're trying to grasp the size of the universe. When I pray, I don't know what you guys do. You ever try to visualize God? Oh, yeah. It's, it's difficult to do. Yeah, but don't you have... Right? I mean, yeah, you but try. I, I, like you when try I'm talking to somebody, I try to have a picture. You know, right. like I want to look at them or I want to try to you know, picture right. them together on yeah. the phone or whatever. So when I pray, I, I, I try to have an image of God in my mind. Many of you probably do too. Whatever your image of God is, it's wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's just wrong, right? It's I, just too I small. pray oftentimes and I'm thinking like, oh man, I, I just wish you were strong enough to be able to do this, but you're probably not. And God's like, hello, <laughs> have you seen what I made? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Dude, look at the stars. You know? right. like, Lift your eyes to the heavens. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, so whatever's going on in your life right now, like I don't know anybody who's not anxious about something. So right. maybe, you're, maybe you're anxious about the culture, you're anxious about our country and the polarity within it, you're anxious about the church and what seems to be going on or the is going on. coming up. Yeah, you're, you're, you're concerned about your health, the health of a loved one. Whatever it might be, like we're all constantly being threatened to feel anxious mm. about things or are anxious about things. Know this right now. Your life and the lives of all those that you love, mm. they're in the hands of the God who breathed a universe into existence that's 46 billion light years across. So please, I mean this with all sincerity, just relax. Breathe easy. Breathe. Absolutely. You are loved by a God who is extraordinarily powerful and who's good. Right. Mm. I'm reminded of uh, the passage in 1 Peter where he says, uh, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The one who cares for you mm. has created all of this mm. out of nothing. You know, I, I just want to share something. We were um, in a diocese a set of months back and Father, you were unpacking created for our brother priests there. And as we had a, an open forum just to talk uh, together, I remember one particular priest was so overwhelmed by the beauty of creation that he cried. And he wanted, to, he wanted to ask a question, but he was so overwhelmed by tears that he couldn't speak. Because that was the impact of created on him as he looked at all of these beautiful images. That just inspired me deeply. Like that should be our response to be overwhelmed with tears, like, bear with me, but right now I can't speak because that was extraordinary, what he just heard. How many of you have ever been asked by somebody, like maybe on your way into work the next day, and someone says, did you see the sunset last night? Oh, mm. yeah, right? Right, I mean, I, I love watching sunsets. Um, they're, they're just magnificent, spectacular, they're beautiful to no end, especially when there's clouds around the sun because you just get all these colors and contours, whatever. Mm. As beautiful as that is, in God's eyes, I don't know why. I really don't know why. Yeah. I'm more beautiful to him, mm. and so are you. Mm. And so are you, who's listening? Like God, Thinks who made beautiful. all of this, loves us passionately. And because he does, I don't have to be anxious. Which means I don't have to be overcome by whatever it is that's threatening me right now. Whether it's the country, the church, my health, the health of somebody else. 
just look up, look at what God has made, and breathe. So Father John, let me interrupt you for a second. If I'm a pastor, I'm a, I'm a lay leader, or you know, hey, I'm just a, I, I just have friends, I have people I want to share this with. And when I say share this, I'm not referring to the, share the podcast, though hopefully, please God, this is helpful when you're willing to share it with people. Regardless of that, I'm hearing this, this magnificent, powerful God who loves us and created all this stuff. I want to share this. Help me, Father, to understand what, what is an easy way to share this? Like, what's, a, what's maybe a good, a good uh, tactic for me to like, make this, you know, here 20, 30 minute podcast into just a couple of minutes that I could just share with somebody in a powerful way? So I think that's, uh, that's the reason for the question why is there something rather than nothing? So, you know, the Socratic method, philosophically, is to try to lead people to truth, but by asking questions, you know, so that you can kind of help them to arrive at an answer by engaging their mind, uh, as opposed to just giving them the answer. And so, um, for me anyway, the power of that question is, uh, it's a provocative question, it's a huge question, but it begins to dive into wonder. And when you begin to wonder Wonder awakens somebody to the questions like, well, who made this? And now I'm, I'm ripe to really get into an exchange about God, mm. right? Who mm. made this? So uh, a, a way, anyway, would be just to, um, you know, if an opportunity arises with somebody, you just pose that. We're, we're so quick to give answers. Yeah, we or we ask that question and, you know, so... You know, why is there something rather than nothing, Mary? Well, let me tell you why. What's, no, don't right. be, be okay with silence. Just, you know, someone might go, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever even asked that question. Like that kid at the high school right. when we were at in Des Moines. He's like, I've never contemplated that question, and my head just exploded. Because I'm going to be thinking about that for weeks now. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much what he told us. Because yeah. so often what's bombarding us is like, you know, uh, you know, especially some some shallower arguments. Like we don't ask why is something here, but people want to focus on how something got here. And so you'll watch Christians not ha- not not have thought through or think through or heard these things. And so someone comes at them with some science and says, "Well, there is no God because this is how this stuff got here." But we're really much more focused on why it's here rather than. How it's here, right? And science can't answer the question. It can't. Why is it here? It can't. Only faith can. Only, only, only the one who created this could reveal to us why it's here. And the answer he gives us is because he lovingly brought it into being, and most especially, he lovingly brought you into being. Now, that's going to pose a lot of questions for us. Like, okay, well, if he's so good, how come everything's so messed up? That's what we're going to talk about next. That's time. the next podcast. That's right. That's right. And even if, as you hear this podcast. You feel in yourself like, well, he can't love me. You, if that's you, that's what we're talking about next time. Because that is not, uh, that's a different voice. That's not the voice of the Lord. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and the first words you hear in your mind is the Father saying, hello, beautiful. We, <laughs> don't, right. we don't think about ourselves right. like that. And we don't think about the Father like that. That's right. But hello, you internalize son. that, hello, princess. Yeah. Hello, my son. Right? Hello, my daughter. Hello, daughter, right? It all goes back to identity. So thanks for listening. We're going to look forward to diving back into part two next time, which uh, we entitled Captured. Uh, In the meantime, you might might simply want to just think about something, right? Think about what's your own image of God? 
Where did it come from? And how does it line up with what we see in Scripture? Maybe how's it changing as you go outside and you look at the universe or log on to the Hubble site website? And then maybe just have an honest conversation with God right now. Say, Lord, here's what I'm anxious of or about. Here's what I'm fearful of. Here's what's worrying me. And, 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 and speak candidly to God, right? I mean, that's how he wants us to talk to him, right? And yet as we're doing it, he says, I know my son or I know my daughter. And all those things are very real. But even as you're bringing those things to me, can I just show you what I've made mm. so we can put everything in perspective? <laughs> and just let the Lord kind of like pull the curtain back as you're talking to him. And he says, yeah, this is, these are real, but I'm real. And I'm amazingly powerful. And I'm very, very good. And I love you. So. Fear not. Fear not, little flock. Right. So we look forward to having you join us in our next podcast. And remember, do not be afraid. God this God who breathed this universe into being is with you. You were born for this.